What's going on, folks? Welcome to another episode of the Knicks Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Maggio. Mike is going to take the night off. He's got an early morning tomorrow. We cannot blame him. But joining me tonight, I've got Sean, I've got Quentin, and I've got Sam from TKW. What's going on, fellas? Hey, how's it going? How you doing? Feeling great after a great win. Yep, feeling good as well. That looked like a really bad one, but, I mean... Unbelievable second half and fourth quarter, so I'm feeling good now. R.J. Barrett is a second-half player. We've been telling folks since the rookie season, he is a man of adjustments. That's what he does. He goes out there. He might get his teeth punched in the first half. He might miss a bunch of shots. And in the second half, inevitably, he always comes back and has a better, uh, you know, couple of quarters, strings those along, generally closes out the game, makes the rest of his uh, – box score look better, which is always the goal, of course. It's how you finish. So, Sean, I'm going to lob this one up to you to start us off. Um, can you speak to why R.J. Barrett is currently the best player in basketball uh, after tonight's performance once again? I, I just don't see what's taking everyone else so long to notice it. Um, you know, I mean, and of course, it's hyperbolic to say he's the best player in basketball, but R.J. Barrett really has gotten to the point where he is a legitimate young star in this NBA um and at 20 years old he's a two-way stud and star players give you great performances even on their off nights and that's what we just saw from rj bear he got off to a horrible start it was really rough and on the night where julius wasn't going either rj kind of single-handed not single-handed i mean he had some help but he really turned the energy of the team around uh he took the game into his own hands and the ability to take games over like that and it's not his first time doing it i mean we're seeing that from rj bear on an almost you know regular basis he's been extremely consistent getting his 20 point getting up to 20 or near 20 even on off nights i thought he was going to you know break his trend of getting up up near 20 when he was two for 13 he still found a way to get 24 points um and he played great defense on bradley bill down the stretch as well which i don't think is going to get enough credit because you know we were doing so well offensively but yeah rj barrett is here um and i, I can't say enough here in all caps like he's here and the nba needs to respect it yeah absolutely i, I agree with what sean is saying there i think rj he continues to take step after step after step every game and it just looks great to see you know the first half it wasn't great for him or Julius and then the second half like you said he 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 showed and proved and I just think he continues to do all the little things as well as the scoring that makes him an exciting prospect as we head into year three here Uh, the passing was great you know I think we said before to show he's underrated at that point as a passer as Sean said, the defense is hitting and, you know, he's getting to the bucket. He's tough and he's scoring baskets. So RJ is certainly a vastly different prospect than he was two months ago. And the future is bright for him now. As we enter year three, we're going to have to start talking about potential all-star expectations, which is fun, man. So, yeah. Yep. He was right there. We got to start recognizing my guy as a young star in the making. I mean, he's just improved all around he does so much great attack in the rim he can make plays he can defend really well that's i think that's the next step in the the discussions around rj barrett is how good he is at defense man he is a hound he gets after it he can guard 
I'm comfortable with him guarding just about any perimeter player and him at least giving a great effort. I mean, he's just, you know, there's a huge second half for him, kind of led the charge, had some help, obviously, um, namely from Big Shot Bricks himself. But, I mean, just seeing how much RJ, the guy who they suggested put in the G League, will never get over that. We'll never get over, even though Tyler Hero had a great playoffs, the Hero was way better than RJ uh, bullshit. I'm just so happy with the steps RJ is taking, man. This is another, like, just great game from him. Example of that they really, Sean mentioned this, I think. Um, but they got to start talking about him as a young star. Yeah, I, I think the reason Knicks fans get so frustrated is that we've been bullish on him, not because of, like, one aspect of his game, because even last year we were like, look, man, some of the shots that aren't falling right now. Of course, obviously, he's inefficient last year. But his all-around game was was strong enough for us as a 19-year-old in the context of, you know, the the coaching debacle, the bad spacing, you know, the the terrible offense, you know. And even then, we were like, we saw enough flashes every game where it was like he was making the right read or he was making the right pass or, you know, he was figuring out, you know, how to get through the paint a little bit better. And, Navi- and it was just he, – he's strung together these games, you know. And then there was a couple good stretches – last season too, uh, especially to close out the year, that it was enticing enough for fans to be like, you know, like, you know, Sean pointed out tonight when he was not hitting his shots early, he finishes the game seven of 22, but you don't even bat an eye because, you know, he was crushing on defense. You know, the passing was there. Uh, you know, again, he's a, a two guard who averages 10 rebounds, not averages, but he, he can get you 10 rebounds a night. I mean, that's pretty special to have a guy go out there and contribute in all these different, you know, areas like that. And we pointed to also last year he finished top five in all of the counting stats for rookies last year points rebounds uh, assists steals block he was top five in everything and it, it does matter sometimes with that stuff it does matter when you're evaluating a player and his activity is high and all those different things and even if the efficiency wasn't there you're starting to see now you know and again he's only 20 years old like we can start being annoying about that with him like 20 years old and 24, 10, 5, and 3 on a bad night for RJ, you know, like shooting the basketball. Like, that that's kind of when you start to hit a new gear, you know, when you're you are getting to the line a little bit more, when you're hitting your, you know, threes a little bit more, and, and those points start to stack up a little bit quicker. It's just really encouraging stuff to see. And you need that when you're trying to get to the next level as a rebuilding team. You need to have these you know, kind of lucky breaks when you finally hit on a draft pick, but then he also has that gear in him where he's going to get you maybe to that stardom level because it's so hard to do that, period, especially in, in New York where it seems like we always pick the wrong guy. So just really, really good stuff, really encouraging stuff. Um, just very, very happy with it. A very, just a, a resilient player. Always, you can always feel confident that the game's not going to get out of hand when you got a guy like that. You know what I mean? So it's... Can't say enough nice things about him at this point. Really can't. You know, you said the thing about him being top five in the counting stats and just, you know, what everybody was saying about him last year. And, you know, Sam pointed out them saying Tyler Harrow was better and, you know, all the ridiculous things we heard. I just wanted to point out today that, you know, Terrence Davis was traded for a second round pick, um, you know, and he made the all-rookie team over RJ Barrett. But he was traded for a second pick today. That, that will never stop being funny to me. Like, there's there's no justification. I'm sorry. There's no, well, he contributed to winning basketball thing that you can get. Like, there's just no argument that could sway me logically. Heist. An absolute heist. Yeah, Terrence Davis had some other issues. 
namely he was he was walking around in the bubble with no mask. But yeah, that was he wasn't better than RJ last year for sure. No. And I, yeah, and I was even. I'm on the other side of the whole RJ Barrett rookie conversation, but some like him and Kobe, like I think even when that happened, Kobe White was the guy. I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if he's better than RJ, but now it looks like if we have that discussion, RJ is clearly a top three rookie, which all is right in the world. Honestly, that's a in hindsight now with RJ looking like this good this early. That's a really excellent top three in the draft. Like one, two, three, no misses. You just get Zion, Jai, RJ, like right up one, like wow, wow. that's a, a great one, two, three. Yeah, I mean, in, in in five, six years, like that could be like, oh boy, this was this was a draft. <laughs> wow, uh, I like that. I like, I, I just like it, man. We got lucky. Uh, I feel, I feel, you know, we don't we don't get that feeling often with the rookie. So I, it, it's good, it's good. Um, what isn't good though, guys, was. Professional NBA point guard Alfred Payton uh, finished tonight, <laughs> tonight's game with zero assists and four turnovers. Uh, that is noted floor general Alfred Payton. I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, so, uh, Quentin, I'm going to throw this one to you to start. How did you feel about 21 minutes from Alfred Payton, uh, eight points, four rebounds, again, zero assists uh, from the starting point guard? Um, I believe he finished a minus... 15, which was worst on the team tonight for plus minus, a stat that I never use unless it fits my agenda. So, Quentin, <laughs> what what do you have to say about Alfred tonight? I'm still surprised he's a Nick man. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I I get it because he's a veteran and Tibbs loves his vets. But man, to see him do that, to see what he's been doing all all throughout the season, and then you see Quigley and what he does and how he fits alongside RJ and Julius and it's just like at some point someone has to say something to make that switch uh, this is not the first time he like all he does really that the Knicks want is someone that can get to the basket but he's not even the best at doing that a healthy Derrick Rose would be better at doing that and then uh, Emmanuel Quigley the floater I would argue that the floater is the best shot between him and, and Elf getting to the rim so I really hope there's a change but you never know we're, we're like 25 games left in the season I'm sure Tibbs will just write it out, but they should have made that switch a while ago. Thank the Lord that quickly closed out this game. I truthfully want to know like what they see in Alfred Payton doing it on a consistent basis that allows him to not only earn the starting role, but come back from an injury and immediately get into the starting lineup. No easing back into it, just we got to get this guy back into the starting lineup. His defense is solid at times, but he doesn't give a shit most of the time. He, his shooting, we all know, is non-existent. Even when he drives to the hoop, he's like, it seems like he has an indecisiveness to him where he can't really, it's not like he's making so many, you know, live dribble, like, swings to the corner, even when guys are, like, wide open. I think this was the game two nights ago, twice. RJ Barrett, wide open in the corner, and he decides to, I think, shoot a crappy floater and one time pass to Julius with three guys in the paint. I truly don't get, you know, if they're really honest, if the Knicks are honest with themselves, you've got quickly who's, you know, got to get through his shooting inconsistencies, but he can shoot at least. He can create shots in more places than Elf can, and he's probably about as good of a playmaker as he is right now. And Derek Rose can do more getting to the rim, which is what the, you know, theoretical skill is that Elf Payton brings. So I truly, like, it, it really baffles my mind that he's still here and the coaching staff still believes in him to this degree. Yeah, beyond just, you know, it baffling my mind, I'm actually disgusted by it. 
Um, I mean, it's ridiculous. I my one gripe, the one thing I was complaining about, the only I had one wish for this trade deadline, and it was for Alfred Payton to be gone. I wanted Lonzo. You feel me? There's a couple of people I wanted to kick the tires on. I would have been interested in, but I only had one real formal request, and it was to have Alfred Payton be gone. So for him to suit up today, and as Sam pointed out, the fact that he keeps getting injured and returning directly to the starting lineup as if he's done anything to warrant that, like nothing about Alfred Payton's position or his status on this team has been merit-based at any point this season. And I just wonder how long, how far into the season we have to go before merit becomes something that is taken into account, especially in the middle of a playoff race uh, with with it being as tight as it is. Like, we could have lost this game. This team is clearly better offensively with him off of the floor. And you, you see it. Like, you see it happen in the game. You see it in numbers. Like, the eye test doesn't lie. The numbers don't lie. It's all around. So I, I really don't understand what it's going to take. Um, I've lost faith in the fact that he'll be cut. I don't think they're going to do that. Um, they seem to whoever his agent is is like got a real stronghold in the Knicks organization. I don't know, but I doubt we're going to cut him. So I hope that we at least just are able to take him out of the rotation, and maybe that can lead to the scenario where he wants to go to a different team. Who knows? Who cares? But I just need him off of the court because we're a better basketball team when he's off. There's no way that you can play. I don't even look. I don't think you know. I'm not any. But if I spent 20 minutes on an NBA court. Come up with an assist if I played with NBA players. Like at some point, you know, you got to just, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And he's not efficient enough attacking the basket to be viewed as this elite driver everyone think he, thinks he is. Like, you know, the plays that will stick out that they'll say he did, like, he'll have a good drive. Don't get me wrong. Like, he's a basketball player. He's in the NBA. But, like, you know, he'll make a layup, and then people will act like he's so good getting to the basket. And they'll be like, well, he was three for eight today. So, like, how good is he really? And I, and he doesn't do anything else well. So he made it past Alec Burks today where he was driving and he uh, looked opposite and kicked it to the corner. And I was like, that might be the best pass out of a drive I've seen him make all season. And that's a shame that like, I got to be pointing out the one time that the point guard passes out of a drive. Like that's disgusting. Get that guy off the court and make us a better basketball team. Addition by subtraction. Yeah. uh, So obviously with you guys there um, and look, there's, there's better options. On, on the bench, I, I know quickly we keep referencing because, you know, another good game for him this season. But uh, 26 minutes gave you 16-6, and one off the bench. Uh, pretty pretty good. Pretty good. I'll take it. Um, that's what you're looking for, you know. Um, so gets to the line uh, five times, knocks on a couple threes. That's, you know, all you could really ask for. But Alec Burks also had a tremendous night, 27 points, six assists, um, He's really had a good second half of the season so far since the All-Star break. But um, tonight got to the line 11 times, uh, 88-18 from the field. This is like usually the type of player the Knicks get because we don't get consistent wings. It's it's these hot or cold type guys. So, I mean, when he's rolling, it's a lot of fun. You know, he's got moves. He's got, he's got a bag. Like, I mean, he he – he can create some shots. He can create some offense. It's just that he's a little bit streaky, but he's on fire right now. And the Knicks need the scoring always. So I will, I will take it gladly. I'd like to see him playing big minutes like he did tonight, uh, almost 34 of those. So uh, good to see, good to see and, and encouraged. Um, you know, he was the one guy people speculated might get moved at the deadline. He did not. 
Um, I don't know about any speculative interest anybody might have had in him, but going to assume any time a guy can score like that off a bench, there's going to be some kind of interest. But good to see that they held on to him, at least. Um, I, I personally prefer that we just have another bench option like that at this moment in time. But when Randall was off, uh, RJ was struggling. Um, good to see somebody else stepped up tonight. That's how you got to win some of these games, man. They're not all going to be pretty. They're not all going to be Julius Randall scoring 30 points. And, and leading us to victory. Other guys got to step up. You know, RJ's the number two. He took it upon himself to step up and, and try to be the number one tonight, you know. Perks was on, led the charge with the score. I mean, that's that's how these – if they're a real playoff team, that's how they have to find ways to win games, you know. Guys are going to have to step up and, and win it for them. So, uh, it, encouraging. Encouraging when they're going to battle back like that, when they're going to be resilient. So, uh, pretty happy about that. Even Randall, you know, couldn't be denied late. It's, it's that dagger – on Rui. Uh, Rui had a good night. Rui, Rui was eating, but uh, Randall closed out still. Just good stuff, man. I, I I enjoyed it. Taj was even good. 10 and 8 off the bench. I mean, it's the Wizards, but I'll take it. We got an OB assist and an OB steal. It was a good night. He Well, he was credited for two in the box score, so I mean, ah, I'm just saying... One. I mean, he's he got to do. He, he's got to do more stuff. Yeah. It's it's a start though. The pass, the assist was nice. Yeah, he just got. See, before, in the beginning, I was like, I like that he pops out from three, but like he gets he he literally plays like a small forward, and it's just like someone has to say something because when it's Randall and Mitch, like Randall doesn't play like that, like it's not just like creating space. Like I think I really hope they can find a way to get him some some rim runs and some pick and roll something because he's just out he's like i wanted to tweet it but i didn't but they literally started playing him like tony allen like when the warriors played tony allen and he's just standing in the corner so i hope he gets a shot or something he didn't even shoot when he got kicked out to him today like he was open and i was like all right like you know hopefully he can get this one to go and then he pump faked put it on the floor and he was driving and tried to like you know swing it back out and had to throw it off somebody but um it was it was just nice to see him make some plays defensively uh you know he gave us good minutes in the second half so that was cool i feel like a lot of times you know we point out what he doesn't do so i feel like at the, at the very least i would just want to focus on what he did today um but i yeah offensively it would be it would be a huge addition to this team if obi could be even a little bit of what we thought he could be offensively. I just can't get over. We He was supposed to be – the reason I was semi-confident in him is, is just because I thought there was going to be a, a higher floor. I just thought there was going to be a better baseline for what his skills were. I just thought he'd, you know, hit a couple shots, you know, like a three, couple mid-range shots, get a dunk, you know, because they'd run some pick and roll for him, you know, something like that, a couple easy points, and then maybe he's a 10-point per game guy in his rookie season off the bench. I didn't have an unreasonable expectation for him. I thought that was just to be expected with his skill set. So just to see him used, like you said, as a small forward where he's basically just doing these handoffs on the perimeter and then hoisted up a three occasionally. Um, I, I don't quite get it. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're using him the right way. We've talked about that before, but w maybe he's just got to do more stuff you know, earn, earn it that way and they'll incorporate it more to the offense. I don't know, but I just feel like they're not doing him or themselves any favors the way that they, they use him out there. It just feels like they feel forced to place him and they're just, or forced to play him and they're just putting him wherever just to get him out there. 
sometimes and it's it's kind of just strange it does feel like it's the front office telling Tibbs, hey we just drafted this guy you better play him um i feel like we can i think we can agree on two things number one is he's not being as utilized as well as he could be like he is very much a guy that's supposed to be taken to the basket playing inside and they've got him playing next to you know a center that can't shoot um so that's probably part of the reason why he's struggling but i think we can also agree that he's just not good enough now to overcome that and still find ways to contribute. Like it really is shocking that the supposed most ready NBA, most NBA ready prospect uh, looks as bad as, a, and as lost as he does at times. So like it, you know, it kind of makes sense, you know, given about how great Julius is playing and how this team is much better than they thought. It makes sense that they're not going out of their way to make life more comfortable for their eighth overall pick. Um, especially cause he's like coming off the bench because I didn't do the same for RJ last year anyway. But he just looks so lost out there sometimes. I just wonder, like, you know, what does he really bring? It really feels like he's just a part of the rotation only, you know, because Julius can't play 48 minutes every single game. Churchill would like to, but he just can't. So I I tried to stay confident, and I felt like, okay, well, maybe if he's shooting decently and, you know, if he can get down uh, downhill sometimes, like, maybe he'll do fine. And it, it's that just has not been a great rookie season. I'm not going to go completely crazy yet. Like we give him a full off season to get ready, but the clock is really ticking, especially considering how old he is. It's a very unfortunate situation that seems to be brewing right now. Yeah. It's like, and I, I, I was late to this train um, and I'm not fully on it, but I do think that even to do him some favors, they could just take him out of the rotation. Um, I mean, not so much after tonight. Like I said, he showed good things. So, I mean, you try to build on that and hope the offense comes as well. But I I believe that we could give those minutes to Knox, and I've been on that for a couple of games now. Um, it's just if Obi's not really giving us much, at the very least, Knox is an actual floor spacer. They like running those like little curls for him. Um, he came off of it pretty aggressively tonight, put his shoulder in the chest of the guard and got to the basket. So, you know, we see Knox do a couple of things when he gets his minutes. So, I like for Knox to get a, uh, get a shot. I mean, at the end of the day, like, Obi was our eighth pick. But, I mean, Knox was once our ninth pick, and he's actually younger. So, I feel like they should also try to, I mean, I know it's not the same regime and, you know, Knox is closer to have to get like a contract and all that, but I don't know. I just feel like, you know, you could take Obi because he really does look lost and it looks like offensively a lot of it's mental at this point. And sometimes he may need to step back. Honestly, he may even benefit for, oh, well, the G League bubble's over, right? Yeah, I was going to say, maybe you put him down there and let him get, a, let his, get his feet wet and get comfortable on the court because he just looks like, you know, like guys pick their spots sometimes in the league. Obi looks like he doesn't have a spot. Like he looks like he doesn't have anywhere where he necessarily feels comfortable with the ball right now, not even really in the post like we thought he would. So um, I hope to see that turn around soon offensively, but you know, it would really help the team if it did a little bit. But yeah, as you guys said, and as we said before, we don't use him to his strengths and that's also a part of it. He misses Derrick Rose. Yeah, he definitely misses Derrick Rose. So, I mean, Rose should be back hopefully for the next game. Um, I And I think he's been cleared now, but it was just a matter of conditioning or whatever. So we'll see. But, you know, Obi needs to play with the point guard who can get him the ball. It's it's very simple because he's not strong enough yet to win these battles in the post or in the paint. Uh, he gets, you know, bullied quite often, kind of reminiscent to when KP had issues earlier in his career. Still kind of does with those smaller guards. You know, guys are always just able to, kind of push him out so 
uh, he's not really able to create that way. And, you know, the, nobody's able to feed him. So it, it kind of really has just become him hoisting threes, which is is pretty sad. So we've seen him start some post-ups from, you know, mid-range territory, trying to back in towards the paint. He gets nowhere. It, it's gotten, you know, gotten bad. So he's just got to strengthen up, get a full off season, try again next season. Um, maybe he wasn't as ready as we thought, but at least good to see him doing a couple of things defensively tonight, showing a pulse. So it is what it is there. We'll take a quick break here. But when we come back, uh, I just want to touch on the Knicks trade deadline or sort of lack thereof. Uh, wasn't too, too exciting. But uh, we'll get into all that, the Andre Drummer rumors, uh, missing out on Evan Fournier and uh, a little bit more. So the Knicks trade deadline, uh, sort of status quo, I guess. They weren't very uh, active once again. Uh, pretty much the rumored thing that it seemed like was going to be a lock with the Austin Rivers getting dealt elsewhere happened. So uh, I believe Austin, and it ended up being, what, a three-team trade. I believe Austin went to OKC, right? Is, is that where we shipped them to? Correct. And then uh, we got back uh, Ferguson, who was shooting, if I'm not mistaken, 14% from the field this year. Oh yeah. He's been he's been buried in Philly. Yeah. Uh Frank Nielakina survived yet another trade deadline. Uh incredibly, really. Uh, fourth year in a row. He's just uh Kevin Knox third year in a row. These guys uh, every year uh just they're just not gonna they're never gonna get dealt. So the the full Sixers Thunder Knicks trade uh was Philly gets George Hill and uh Iggy is is now gone. Uh, or Brazdakis. OKC gets Tony Bradley, Philly second round picks in 2025 and 26, and Austin Rivers. The Knicks get Terrence Ferguson. Uh, is it Poirier? Vincent Poirier? And a 2021 second round pick from Philly. So at least we got another second rounder out of it. That's cool, uh, I guess. We, we have lots of those. We're just adding to it. Uh, Poirier was... Uh, Waived, I, I believe, within like two hours or released, whatever it is. Um, so the Iggy era is over for the Dubnicks. Uh, and we'll pour one out for the uh, Dubnicks legend. But, you know, I, I wasn't really – it's kind of a nothing move to me. I mean, we had a second-round pick. Austin Rivers is gone. Uh, I, I liked Austin. It's unfortunate that he wasn't playing super well against teams that weren't the Jazz. But uh, – Still was a professional while he was here. Seemed like he was, you know, pretty genuine about wanting to kind of change the image and things like that. So, uh, we'll always appreciate that. You know, happy to have had him even briefly. Wishing him the best of luck. Hope he uh, bounces back now with OKC. Um, but, Sean, what was your reaction to to these trades? Um, I mean, I didn't have much of a reaction. Uh, I mean, we got rid of us, and I feel like I don't know. We did right by him, I guess. You know, get send him somewhere he can play. Uh. Iggy leaving, you know, it made me feel like we were creating a roster spot for something. Um, it's unfortunate. Iggy seemed like a cool guy, but, you know, some people were, like, mad. I was like, bro, come on, stop. It's like, oh, he had potential. I was like, bro, stop it. Like, he, had, he hasn't played basketball for us. Like, um, and T. Ferg, I mean, he's a potential 3 and D wing with some athleticism and youth. If the time ever comes for that to matter, and if it doesn't, who cares? Nobody that we traded away was playing anyway. 
Um, we weren't going to get anything of value for either of those guys. We got an, another pick in the deal. We already waived Poirier. Like, it's, it's, I don't have much of an opinion on it, um, I, but I do like the way they were able to, like, you know, not get fleeced in anything, not jump and make any hasty decisions. Um, you know, it seems like they tried to do some things that made sense and didn't go any further than they were supposed to. So that being the only deal was uneventful and, you know, in a way disappointing. And like I said, the only thing I really needed was Alfred Payton gone. So I wish it was Alfred in the deal instead of Austin, but, you know, not too much. Yeah, uh Quentin, I'll toss it over to you now. Same reaction to the trade, but also uh, I want you to then follow it up with your reaction to missing out on Evan Fournier. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think the Knicks did okay in this. They got a second-round pick. Austin Rivers wasn't playing, so I think he's actually going to get bought out from Oklahoma City, and he'll probably go to Philly or something. That just makes sense to me, but yeah, they didn't really lose much. Iggy, I hope he plays, you know. It's just he he was a second-round pick who didn't play much, and then he was caught in a regime change, so he had no he had no chance there. But uh, losing out on Evan Fournier, I don't <laughs> – I may have overreacted a little bit, but I just think the Knicks had a chance to get a wing player who – he's not, he's not like, the best of the bunch, but he's pretty good. So I thought the price that Boston paid for him was interesting considering the Knicks probably had the ammunition to do it. He probably would have started and the Knicks probably could have retained him in free agency. So, I mean, I, he wasn't even the guy I was the most upset that got traded. It was Gary Trent Jr. to Toronto, which we should talk about if you want, but yeah, yeah. I, I thought, I thought Fournier was uh, not a miss by the Knicks, but if I had a chance to run everything back again, at 12 o'clock noon and I was running the Knicks, I probably would have just sent the pick over for Fournier. Yeah, I, I I don't, I don't really care. I don't, I never really liked Fournier. Um, I haven't really bid it on him. I I do think that I, like, I understand the fit. Like, that's the thing I want to make clear. Like I I understand on on the timeline, I was being a little bit harsh on him, but it's like, he just doesn't do enough for me, I guess. Like I understand the scoring. I understand the creation that he would bring, the shooting. Um, but at the same time, he wouldn't have that same high-level offensive role here. Most of it's going to be Randall and RJ, and then he would just be kind of shooting off them. And I'm I'm fine missing it. I I think he's pretty awful defensively too. Um, I I'm kind of I'm kind of all set that we if if we got him, I wasn't going to complain either. Um, the price was going to be probably pretty low, so. For for that, I was also a little bit surprised. That's what he went for because I I do agree, uh, Quentin, that, that he probably we probably could have matched or or gotten that pretty easily. We got a, a lot of seconds that we could have used. So, um, curious to see like that's kind of where they tap out. Like I get being cautious, but that seemed a little bit strange. But, um, I mean, Sam, what what do you think about this particular uh, inaction by the Knicks? Um, not. Very happy about it, honestly. I get in years past standing pat, but this year it feels like they're really playing for something. And I never really got all the hype around Evan Fournier. Like, he's a solid player. He can, you know, definitely shoot. I think create from the outside a little bit, which is good when you have two slashers like uh, like Julius and RJ. But um, he doesn't really do anything else at a super great level. I mean, considering the price that Boston, you know, paid to get him, Knicks could have outbid them for sure. But then they got to worry about paying him, you know, 
and retaining him actually because he's an unrestricted free agent this offseason. So would have been nice to get him. I'm sad they missed out on um, Trent. Really liked him. Really wish they could have gotten him. It seems like a good, you know, really young, really nice shooter. Um, yeah, I, um, you know, still heard about them not getting Alonzo. And it's sad that like the only trade they made was the, the one they ended up doing. I was really surprised that Philly didn't end up netting Rivers because LKC is, you know, tanking. I guess they need to trade for another second round pick. But, uh, you know, there were reports that Rivers were going to get bought out um, anyway. So, you know, makes total sense that they weren't able to get much for him. You know, they got Terrence Ferguson, who has some, you know, off the court uh, sexual assault allegations. But I don't think it'll even matter too much for the, you know, Knicks because he sucks and is probably not going to play at all. So Rivers will always go down as a Nick legend for the Utah games. But it does suck that, you know, this was finally a year where it made sense for the Knicks to make a move, not like the move they did the, they did last year where they, you know, kind of sold off. It was a chance for them to get an upgrade. And it seems like the other teams around them kind of did, you know, the, the Heat made some great moves. Boston got uh, Evan Fournier. So I'm a little bit disappointed that um, the Knicks didn't go for anybody, but it suggests to me that Leon Rose and Brock Gala really have a long-term view with this rebuild, which I'm totally okay with. I'm cool with them gambling on restrictive free agency with Lonzo. Like it, I would have pref- I would have preferred they figured out a way to do this trade now. You know, take Black Eric Bledsoe, whatever that you know they kind of had to do to get it done. Um, I I would have done personally because if you know that you're going to match whatever number, or, or you know that New Orleans would throw out, or you, you're going to try to outbid other teams, I, I would just feel more confident doing that, knowing you could match versus trying to go over teams who are already going to be trying to outbid the Pelicans too. And then the number is going to inflate even more, but I, I don't know. I thought this was a good time to kind of pretend this would have been his free agency anyway, and just go for it. But it is what it is. It isn't the worst thing in the world, but uh, bringing up the Gary Trent jr. Thing is excellent because to me, that was two birds, one stones with killing my dream for targets this summer, because I figured we can go after one of those guys probably pretty aggressively. And now I feel like we can get neither of those guys because I feel like Toronto's going to pay uh, Gary. And then I feel like Portland's going to pay Norm. And then there's just, <laughs> that's like two high level wings off the board immediately that, you know, some of us were targeting already. Uh, I was. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, I especially wanted Gary Trent Jr. So that, that really kind of stinks. I'm going to assume that he'll, he'll be there a while, but you know, Depot going to Miami was another one that Knicks were rumored to be kind of in on. I would have been fine if they took the swing. I was kind of out on it. Uh, you know, you guys are no longtime Depot guy, but even at this point I was like, eh, I'm, I'm good if we don't do it. I'm fine not paying him. So it seems like Miami was always going to happen. The worst kept secret in the NBA. He finally got there. So, you know, good, good for him. Hopefully he's finally happy. We can stop hearing the complaint and just get back to playing good basketball, you know, like he did a couple of years ago with the Pacers. It would be nice. Uh, I, I don't hate the heat too much, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I would have liked if we did something though, because the, the Bulls got better now. They got Vucevic. That's, that's an all-star. And honestly, I think he's going to be better as a number two playing off Levine than he is as a number one, just getting his numbers with, Orlando you know he was just feasting every night 
I, I think they're going to have a nice little two-man game. And, you know, it's end of a, a, a COVID season here, but you never know how those guys might gel. But still, Bulls got some ammunition. They got rid of some of those other stinky pieces they had, like Wendell Carter, uh, Otto Porter. I don't know. I mean, I, it's not the worst thing in the world. The Knicks still have a top defense to bank on, so I can understand why they think they could try to grind it out. You know, as of tonight, they're back a game over 500. They're back in the fifth seed. So I can understand if, if you know, Leon and, and the front office were maybe a little bit bullish on their team right now. But I, I felt like they probably could have made a move for, for not that much. That would have gone a long way. Um, not not going to kill them because if you're going to rely on Randall and RJ, you're, you're still going to win a bunch of these games. But... It, it's gonna it's gonna be tough, man. It's gonna be tough if Alfred's still starting, and and it, you know it, it's always gonna be those guys trying to counteract what what's happening with the lack of shooting. So, you know the the margin for error is pretty thin with them not getting reinforcements. Is all they can still do it. It's not that we aren't confident, but it 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 just really it's gonna be close now. The rest of the way, you know, guys are gonna be gunning for them. You know that they, they they've been in the playoff hunt the entire year. One of the few teams that have, haven't really fallen out below the eight seed, you know, that they're always kind of, as soon as they drop a little bit, they come right back up. So very interested to see how they finish the season now, uh, especially these Eastern conference games. These are going to be very, very interesting. Yeah. I've been screaming from the beginning of the year that like, you know, these games are going to matter a lot down the stretch and seeing how close the Eastern conference is, seeing other teams make moves. Um, it doesn't really make me that nervous. I think we can even go up another gear and get even better. Once we put the right guys on the floor, we also haven't had Rose in a while, and we saw how much the pacing improved and how much better he made our bench when he got here. So I feel like having him come back into that role or a starting role or whatever role he'd be in, having IQ getting Elf off the floor, even though I try not to harp on that too much. But I feel like that can make us the better team. That can be the upgrade we would have been looking for in a trade. I mean, we got Alec Burks, this guy we can get 27 off the bench from, which is huge. Um, I haven't said on this podcast yet, but Reggie has been so much better. Like, I'm I'm cool with Reggie, Reggie now. Like, I think that if Reggie's wow. not next to Alfred... Yeah, I'm here to say it. I'm cool with Reggie. Um, I think if he's not next to Alfred Payton, it's just better for him because one I feel like the ball swings around more he gets I mean he all of his looks are pretty open but he gets even more open looks he takes more shots like one game he was four for 11 and it's like that's not a great percentage that's not like some super sniper accuracy but you have four threes today bro good job like you you're a shooter and you hit four threes like put them up so you know I mean he gave us some production he played really well defensively I don't think he's you know a great starter, but he, I don't think he's the issue anymore either. So I had to voice that on here. I've been saying it for a while, but he's been playing well pretty consistently. And I said, once I saw him play well consistently, I would shut up. So I think we got better and we can get better. Um, the Bulls getting Vooch is cool and all, you know, the Heat made their moves and that's cool. And those will, that'll matter when it comes down to the matchups, you know, if we are to see one of them in like a four or five series or something like that. But honestly, if the, what I like about our team is they seem to just, you know, keep their heads down and grind. So it's like the Bulls getting one else doesn't stop us on our, you know, nightly quests like we gotta we gotta do what we gotta do. We gotta handle our own business and the rest of the Eastern Conference will shake itself out. Yeah, and uh, I mean, on that note, though, when I looked at the standings again, um, I'm not worried about the Knicks falling out all that much, I don't think, because at this point, it looks like the wheels have kind of fallen off for Toronto. They deem to have, like, yet another turnaround. 
to their season to try to salvage things, which it's possible. I mean, they're generally well coached when they're on the same page. It just seems like things are in a bit, you know, a bit of disarray right now. But um, pretty much the only team that I think could really will fall out is Charlotte. You know, Lamelo's going to be out a month or so. He might come back at the tail end of the season. Is is the rumor maybe? But they're in four right now at twenty two and twenty one. The Knicks just got to five at twenty three and twenty two. The Hawks are on fire, 22 and 22. The Heat have been on fire for the most part, and now they've got reinforcements. Uh, Boston's in eighth seed. They, you know, they just got Fournier. Hopefully, that helps them a little bit, right? So, outside, like I don't really believe the Pacers are gonna are gonna make it this year. I think they'll be in that play-in territory. It seems to me like most of the Hornets would would fall out, and if I would be confident for many of those teams not in it right now. It'd probably be the Bulls to kind of string some together and and maybe get in and sneak in as the eight seed. But I just feel like this is going to be mostly what the teams kind of are. And then it's just going to be teams like the Knicks, the Hawks, the Heat, kind of jostling around for playoff position. You know, like that's that's kind of my thought. Like maybe the Knicks end up a little bit lower than they wanted to lose the tiebreak or whatever. But I, I don't I don't know that I see them truly falling out at this point either. Uh, is, is kind of I'm not even like overly optimistic I just we've played a lot of these teams we've seen a lot of these teams like you know it's going to be dependent on whatever the reinforcements do at this point but I, I feel pretty confident the Knicks will probably just be right there yeah I really don't see much I don't I think the only thing that would hurt like I think the only thing that would hurt them is if they started struggling and Tibbs didn't adjust but we've seen Tibbs kind of make adjustments before I don't I think they're secure. The fact that they're one of these teams that can fight back and be resilient and win games like they did tonight against Washington, I, I trust them to get, at the very least, they could get into the playing series, which considering where we were at the beginning of the season, that's still a win to me. So, I was thinking about, you know, the playoff push earlier, just like, you know, how clouded it is. And now that the Bulls got two all-stars, like they're really, I think they're, you know, with, Levine and Boots, that's a hell of an offensive duo. Um, and it's kind of like unrelated, but I was thinking like if the Knicks miss the playoffs is this season like seen as more of a waste or anything. And I think it's still a no just because like, you know, one losing streak could do them in um, because, you know, there's only just a handful of games separating, you know, even like as high up as the Knicks are, I think fifth now to as far down as like what, the 12th and 13th place. But, you know, I feel – somewhat confident that the Knicks will um still stay in it and even if they don't like just being this competitive like this late in the season um and you know trying to win games and selling you know this you know winning mentality um you know it seems like with Tib like there's a lot more fire a lot more desire to win than there was with uh you know past coaches so I feel like the you know I don't want to try to predict what could happen because there's still injuries the season is still crazy there's a bunch of games left in this you know the really just the middle of the Eastern conference is so, so close together. I it's, it could go either way. I feel confident in the Knicks ability to do it, especially because they have one of the league's best defenses. They can always lean on that, even though their offense is kind of, you know, if it's not Julius Randall, RJ Barrett, I don't know where it goes, especially because they, you know, get an upgrade, but I'm somewhat confident. And I feel like even if they do, you know, get unlucky and they fall out of the playoff picture, I think this season is still, you know, very helpful regardless. Yeah, I I don't really I don't know. Like I think this team is more than capable of a top six seed. I keep saying it. I'll keep saying it. 
Um, I don't even think we should have to see the plane. I really don't want to see the plane because, I mean, I it would just I would really hate for us to grab the seventh seed throughout the regular season all year and then miss the playoffs still and be the first team and have that happen. Like that would make me sick to my stomach. Just the way we're the first team to have the new lotto odds and be the worst team and not get for like you know. So I don't want that. I don't want to leave it up to chance or leave it up to anything like that. I'd like to secure a top six seed. I honestly think, like I said, we're in the fifth seed right now, tied for fourth. And I feel like we can kick it into another gear and get better as a team. So I think we can, I mean, snagging that fourth seed would be amazing. And having a home court series, like, you know, having home court advantage in the garden for round one would be great. Um, and I think this team's capable of doing that. So that's the expectation I'm going to hold this team to. I was just thinking about that, Sean, actually, about like if they, you know, they were the first team to get screwed by the new odds and they're the first team to, you know, beat Justin the play. And like, I think a seventh seed is definitely within reach. Like the, the top three seeds, we know it's going to be some order of the Sixers, Nets, and Bucks. And now Miami made some upgrades. I feel like they've got a the, probably the best chance to get the four seed. But the fifth and sixth seeds, especially with Charlotte, you know, they're going to be without LaMelo for a while. Totally up for grabs. I can definitely see the Knicks getting one of those seeds avoiding playing. Yeah, and I, I don't – I would be disappointed if they had to do the play-in. Like, I would be disappointed, but at the same time, I understand, like, they could very easily get the seven or eight seed – Things happen. They just got to take care of business from there, which they already have been playing in mostly very close games this season. So they should be able to take care of business uh, in in those games too. But yeah, I, I mostly agree with Sean. I, I I think they could finish top six if they if they really want to. Um, it, it's tough. It's going to be tough. But um, even if they did get the play in, though, I wouldn't think it's a a, a failure. Um, or if they miss the playoffs, like. It would stink, but I think largely what we wanted to see this season, regardless of what the end result was as a team, was just that there was a clear direction, a clear foundation, a clear identity, a clear system, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, the full culture, the works, right? But at the same time, we wanted to see, like, is, is Julius Randle getting better, right? Being part of this team, if you're not going to move him, like we speculated after the OB pick, um, and they, they kept him, he ended up being really good. So now you found an all-star. Right. So that that's good. You establish that even if they don't make the playoffs, you establish this newfound high level of play with them. Same thing with RJ Barrett, your 20 year old sophomore came out and, and took a, a big, big leap this season with his all around game, especially offensively. So I, I, I just think off those you hit on Emmanuel quickly. Like, I, I just think off those things alone, like this season's been enough of a victory because all the young guys are trending you know, there's enough young guys trending in the right direction. Mitch, even though he missed a month, been a really good defensive starter. The the blocks aren't maybe as rapid as last season. You know, I know Noel uh, was outpacing him off the bench with those because, you know, it, it's a little bit of a different game when you play off the bench that way. But, um, you know, a lot of guys are just rolling for themselves. So either way, for me, like, they, they could miss out and this would still be a win because it's like, well, I already know all these guys are going to be good. Like, at, at worst, we have four very good guys coming back next year, three of which are, like, less than 23 years old, pretty much. And I, I would be very bullish on them from there. So, obviously, you want to see the playoffs, though. I, I, I To me, that's always... Everybody always wants to talk about getting another pick or a better pick, but, like... It's always about playoffs. Like I would getting young guys playoff reps is like, that's just crucial. I especially feel that way for like first and second year guys. Like you need to taste the the success immediately and be part of it, like a big part of it to then feel like you want to keep doing that again. 
you know, it's tough when you're young and you never get there and you never know what the success feels like. And you also don't get the workload for the success. And you're like, well, why am I doing this, man? This is tough. This is hard. How do I fit in? But like if RJ comes in, steps up and all of a sudden, like, boom, they're in the playoffs. It's like, yeah, now, now he knows he's got, all right, I, I helped get us here because I got so much better this year. Now I got to help help us win in the playoffs. How do I do that? And even if they get swept or they get whooped, that's good. I don't care. I just want to see them get in, play hard. And then next year, he's got to go figure out how to be even better again. So that's kind of my mindset on it. I, I will take the moral victories uh, for, for this season just because all these young guys tread in the right way. Yeah, that's where I was largely at. Like, of course, it'll it'll bring in my head, like everything you just said is where I'm at, right? Where it's like, I, I kind of, I feel like we're playing with house money. Like I can't even get mad when they lose games at this point, because I just feel like everything I wanted to see done for the Knicks is done. Now we're at the next, we're gonna, whatever happens, we'll be at the next step for the Knicks this off season, which will make it even more fun. But yeah, man, getting RJ those reps, getting, you know, I did it, originally. I didn't want them to play Philly if they made the playoffs. They probably won't play Philly now. But even if they did, like getting to go against Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and the likes in the playoffs, going against Miami and Jimmy Butler and a team that just made the finals or Milwaukee or whoever they play, those games you can't replicate. You're either in them or you're not. And it's just like to get to that point, that would be great for them. So. I mean, I still think we're playing with house money, but yeah, getting those reps for RJ for quick, that would that would be huge. Yeah. Um, so on that note, I just want to go ahead and get right into our mailbag tonight. Um, had some good questions, you know, post trade deadline. We'll we'll always do that. So we, we got plenty on on both the TKW bot account and our main account. But um first and foremost, who do you think was the next best player tonight? R.J. Barrett or Russell Westbrook, asked, asked by at Burn Goat, our pal. Um, I mean, R.J. was amazing, but, yeah, Russell Westbrook really kept us in the game. I mean, you know, a shout-out to him for putting those jumpers up over and over and over and over. I don't know what compelled him to keep doing so, but I'm very grateful because especially when Brad Beal was on the bench, I was just like, oh, we're good. Like, we're def- defensively, we're good. Russ's usage was crazy. I've never seen a guy, like, 18 boards, nine assists, a horrible game. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so there was that. Uh, Ty, TKW alum, asked us, what are you willing to give up for Lori? Uh, for me, that one's a fart noise, pal. I, I want to give up nothing for Lori Markinen. I, I want... Nothing to do with that guy. I, I'm negative things. I'm giving up. I, I'm I'm good on that. Um, he said, "What picks would be on the table in general, and what is the biggest upgrade necessary?" Don't say point guard. <laughs> that shit is tired as fuck. Uh, who on the coaching staff has the best old dude playlist? Sam, I'm gonna let you start that one off. Uh, any one of those questions Ty gave, you could have your pick. Uh, to the last one, I'm thinking uh, Kenny Payne. For no particular reason, I'm just thinking Kenny Payne's got a great playlist. Um, for uh, Larry Marketin, as Clyde likes to call him, I'm, you know, obviously not really big into trading for him, but I think having a big that can shoot would definitely help. Like, I feel like the best would be, you know, maybe as like a third string option as a big guy that you could play and, you know, provide some spacing from the, the center position, I think Lowry could do that. I just don't know how much 
uh, it's worth, you know, obviously the deadline passed, but I guess even going into this offseason, if Chicago's like, you know, done with him and lets him walk, or if they want to do a sign and trade, I don't really know how much I would give up. Um, I would love to see them get uh, some bigs that can shoot. I just don't know if um, Lowry is the guy. Um, and then I guess the biggest upgrade necessary is another um, dependable score. Like, I know, you know, Burks obviously had a great night. Rose still on the mend, hopefully back soon. But I feel like, a, you know, a, a more reliable third option is probably what would help this team best. That's why I was kind of in on Victor Oladipo. I don't really like to look at trade targets solely based on the fact that they won't cost as much. And, like, you look at what the Heat gave up. They gave up a pick swap and, you know, two role players. So I think, you know, having a more reliable scoring option, like this team still needs more offense and as solid as Burks and Rose can be, I feel like they're still, you know, they're not giving you, you know, 15, 20 on a nightly basis. Um, they certainly like, you know, they've got the ability to do that, but I think having just another, you know, third option, I thought Oladipo could, could be that guy and, you know, maybe he'll be that guy in Miami, but yeah, I guess just another dependable option that could, you know, hopefully do a little bit more than just score. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade for Lori. Um I I don't really believe in this point because I feel like it would cost, like it would actually cost assets and I don't think we really need to give up assets for a guy we wouldn't be starting. And would you really say the four I mentioned the five, like Lori's not gonna start. So I don't really think that would be necessary. There wouldn't be a lot of minutes for him, I don't think. Um, as far as old, old, old school playlists, that's definitely Kenny Payne, 100%. Then again, I don't know. Woody might have one. Woody he seem like a real old school dude. Like, they they, mm, they probably follow each other on Apple Music for sure. Um, and then what what did I miss? What else? Ty hit us with a gauntlet. I think biggest biggest adjustment what was it yeah he did hit us with a bunch bro that was a lot (laughs) um yeah he said what is the biggest upgrade necessary don't say point guard that shit is tired as fuck i feel like that was uh pointed at us but no big deal that was definitely pointed at us um i'm and i'm still gonna say it like sorry I don't know what you want us to say. I've even gotten to the point where I'm saying Reggie isn't the problem. So yeah, what I mean, else can we say? Look how far we've come. Um, <laughs> I think we're all out on Lori. I just think he's going to cost too much. And the Bulls don't seem like they even want to pay him. So I'm out on them. Yeah, I mean, and we he, can't even we can't even figure out Obi. You know what I mean? I'm not. <laughs> Lori's the like, absolute last thing on my mind. And Kenny Payne's the strongest answer for me, too. I was thinking Tibbs, but just just thinking Tibbs, you know, maybe there's some Billy Joel or some some good music on there, but I'm going to go Kenny Payne to be safe. I'm going to go Woody. Uh, I, I think Sean brought up a good point. I'm going to go Woody. I, I think he's the, he's the sleeper here. All right. So then we've got um, at JP Reynolds 88. Do you guys worry about the minutes thing at all? I generally don't, but Tibbs is playing RJ and Randall a million minutes in the blowout. The other night seemed like a problem. Um, I don't, I don't mind yet because it's mostly been working out for us. Uh, So that's, that's all I could really do at this point in time. Um, You know, I, I, 
I, I don't know. I, I, I know that you can't generally play guys 40 minutes a night and expect good things in the long run. I, I'm smart enough to realize that. But uh, right now, I don't mind. He, he's playing a 20-year-old a lot of minutes. And and Randall seems like he, he's just in the shape to handle it. So um, biased, uh, swayed by winning, but I'm going to say no. Yeah, last the last game was crazy because it was just like I don't think Randall got off the floor until it was like two minutes left. That was concerning, but I kind of feel like he's been trying to manage the minutes as best as he can, tips. So I'm not really too worried about it. Um, as I said before, I'm I want them to start rotating some guys in. I think the fact that you saw Knox and you saw Obi out there tonight, they're gonna try to figure out who can spell Randall a little bit for those minutes. And once Derrick Rose come back, that's just a whole nother avenue of minutes you can split up for the backcourt. So I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, I mean, like, RJ played, what, like 41, almost 42 minutes tonight? But, I mean, he played the whole second half, and it was one of those go-in-the-game kind of things. I don't particularly mind that. I think, in general, Tibbs has done a better job. I mean, he's not running it. Like, you know, when we had when we were shorthanded, Obi was out, IQ was out, Burks was out. He was kind of running Julius and RJ into the ground a little bit, but it's because, you know, Tibbs is going to go win the game, uh, which I respect. But I don't think that the minute situation has been too bad recently. I think part of it is due to, like, the so many, you know, injuries they've had. Um you know, part of me is like, it's fine because RJ and Julius can handle it and they've done, you know, really well, had terrific seasons. Part of me is also worried about what this will mean when it's closer to playoff time. Like there's still, you know, over a month of this regular season to play and what happens when they, you know, really need these games later in the season. I'm worried if that fatigue will catch up to them then. It certainly doesn't look like it has now. You know, they've done a fine job with it. I don't think there's been any complaints about, you know, 20-year-old R.J. Barrett playing a whole lot of minutes. I'm just worried about um, if we haven't seen the effects of the fatigue yet, and especially as we get closer to the um, you know end of the season, if the playoff race continues to be this tight, then I might get a little um, nervous. Yeah, I think I'd be more worried if, you know, I, I think in fairness, we've got to remember certain contexts too. I think about a month ago uh, or early February, R.J., there was like a stretch of a week or almost two where he was playing 20, 25 minutes a night. It felt like less than 30 for sure. And everyone was getting annoyed, but at the same time, you know, uh, as much as we would have liked for him to have played more than, you know, at least he was getting kind of a breather to some degree, whether we want to call it that or not, he was at least playing less minutes for a stretch. Uh, then he had the all-star break, which was brief this year, but at least there was that. And, you know, on top of the fact that he didn't even have a full NBA season and then he got, you know, almost a year off with, um, not a year, but, you know, most of a year off um, because of the COVID situation. So I, I just feel like RJ, I'm not like particularly worried about because at least intermittently he's gotten like a couple stretches and little breathers and things like that or played less. So, you know, Randall's the guy we'd be worried about just because of his workload. Um, but again, that's something we'll have to see, you know, closer to playoff time. But I, I try not to get too worried about it if if they're winning games, you know, it, if it seems like they can handle it. Generally, they could produce every night like they have been then. I guess it's not that bad. Um, the last one we'll uh, take here before we uh, get out of here is looking big picture. What do the Knicks have to add in the offseason to uh, become a true playoff team? That's from at Kobe Bean Burner underscore. 
Um, honestly, a true playoff team. I think they're a point guard that can shoot away. And I think that guy is Lonzo. They have a mark this summer. And I think it really could just be as simple as that. Like they could add some other guys. Like we were talking about Gary Trent Jr., Norm, those three and D types. But uh, first and foremost, they need a point guard upgrade and somebody that's going to be able to shoot. So if you don't buy quickly as a, a true point guard or as a true starting point guard, whatever, and you think he's more of like a combo or two, something like that. I think, yeah, I mean, add Lonzo because that's a guy who could play on and off ball, just like quickly can kind of play on and off in a different way. And I think that's a fun team. To me, that that's what you'd have the firepower. You'd have the defense with Lonzo. And I think he's a high enough IQ guy that fits off of, uh, you know, RJ being a very high IQ guy and now Randall kind of fitting right in, in that same vein. So I think that's just a really fun, smart group that, you know, we could feel pretty confident building around. I think that's how you guarantee like a top five-ish seat in the East, you know, for at least the next three or four years. I too would absolutely love the Lonzo move. Um, now that we did make the trade, I am definitely preparing my restricted free agency offer for him. And hopefully we can outbid Pelicans who don't seem like they want to pay him. Um, I mean, outside of Lonzo, whenever I think off season, I have that one thought that I keep trying to suppress, but that I actually tweeted for the first time today, which means I'm clearly getting comfortable with it. Um, but it's just when I think about the position the franchise is in, I like keep my eye out west. And if the Clippers don't make it to the Western Conference Finals, Boardman might walk. And if he start, if he walks and we just made it to the playoffs and we even sniffed the second round at all and things are looking good and you've got R.J. Barrett and you've got Julius Randle who's an all-star, you've got a Mayo quickly, maybe you sign Alonzo Ball, you got two first round picks, you turn those and whatever you turn them into. I don't think our situation is that bad. So that would be pretty cool. That makes us a pretty elite team. I would go point guard who can attack the basket a three and D wing and I would go with like a backup big someone like a Jermichael Green type maybe a little bit better who can spell um, Randall and then play a little bit of five as well yeah I'm looking at like a three four kind of like a backup wing and you know more shooting preferably a point guard just that simple yeah I don't think they got to overcomplicate it but we'll get out of here with the trade deadline special next one back in the five seed uh, didn't didn't do anything stupid so far. No Andre Drummond buyout news. So let's just uh, continue the good vibes. Hopefully they continue this, uh, you know, locking the top four seed. And uh, we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Take it easy.